Hi, I'm Arthur Ferry, and you are listening to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Today I speak to British 19-year-old Arthur Ferry. Arthur is one of the best players in US college tennis, recently ranked number one in just his second year at Stanford University in California. Last year, he also had a run to the last round of qualifiers in Wimbledon, narrowly losing out in a tough five-set match. Arthur tells us all about it. He tells us about his early days growing up near Wimbledon, his decision to go to university and quickly grown up after he arrived, and he talks about it a lot more. Arthur's a super nice guy, and I can't wait for you to listen. Before we get started, a shout out to our podcast sponsor, Slinger, who make the awesome portable ball machine. I've mentioned here before, they've updated their new site at slingerbag.com. Head over there to check it out, where they have a new community section with drills, ensuring you get the most out of your Slinger bag. They have weekly tips from their team of pros, coaches, and experts. And finally, our new camera mount has finally arrived and it's now shipping. Use it to record your tennis matches and practice sessions. It's the perfect tool also if you use any of the latest apps such as Swing Vision. Head over to functionaltennis.com to check it out. And also our new product, the Functional Tennis Sabre, is launching in May. If you head over to our Instagram account, Functional Tennis, you'll see pictures and videos of the prototype. Okay, here's Arthur. Hi, Arthur. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, Fabio. Good to be here. It's after 11 p.m. there. It's 7 a.m. here in Ireland. So thanks for jumping on. I know you, you're training hard and sleep is important. So if your coach finds out, we're probably going to be in trouble here. What time do you normally hit the, the bed at? Uh, not too late. I'll be, I'll be off to bed after this. I'd say maybe 11, 30, 12. Nice. Got a bit of an early morning tomorrow as well. So uh, that's fine. What's the plan look like? Were you playing this weekend or what's going on this week? Yeah, so we're leaving to Arizona tomorrow uh, to play two matches on the weekend, Friday and Sunday. We just came back from Los Angeles yesterday. So we played UCLA and USC on the weekend. So yeah, it's all unraveling pretty fast. Season's in full flow now. Nice. And it's your, so it's your second year in Stanford. So you must be getting used to things, the surroundings. Has there been any change from first year and second year where you were new there and it took a while to adjust? Yeah, yeah 100%. Second year, I've definitely felt a lot more comfortable in this environment, you know, being pretty far from London, from my home. Uh, first year and in the autumn as well, instead of 2021, was kind of tough adjusting, being so far away. And now I'm slowly getting to the groove of things. It's the first time I've actually spent four or five months in a row over here so it's good yeah really making new friends over here obviously spending a lot of time with the team and it's yeah it's great nice and okay we'll get to the college more college stuff in a few minutes but first let's go back to you mentioned your home london you grew up beside wimbledon yeah that's right like five minutes away from wimbledon uh, walking distance where did you play tennis you probably didn't play there did your parents play there uh, yeah, so I grew up in a tiny little club next to my house called Westside. And yeah, Wimbledon was, the All England's pretty prestigious. My mum was lucky enough to become a temporary member there a few years ago. So she uses that quite a lot. I've played there with her for a few times as well. But yeah, obviously not open to any, to everyone. And I mean, I was lucky to play there, to play during the championships last year, but mostly um, around Wimbledon, but not at the All England. Okay. And um, what was more inspirational? So you're 
your parents or your mother playing tennis or having Wimbledon beside your mix of both? Uh, I think a mix of both. We also like my the tiny little club next to our house was literally 50 meters away. So um, that was definitely, and with, with also a great coach over there who helped me out when from a young age. So that was really what pushed me. Both my parents, very sporty. Um, so they made me try a bunch of sports, football, tennis, basketball. Ultimately, I chose tennis, but I was exposed to a lot of sports as a, from a young age. And who was your coach? Alison Hanna, who, uh, Alison Taylor now, who uh, was the head coach at Westside. She's also working with, I don't know if you've heard of Hannah Klugman yet. She's a little 13-year-old, very, very good player. So yeah, I've been working, I worked with her when I was young and now she's also working with Hannah, who's also um, hopefully going to be a great player. When did you stop working with her? I would say I stopped working with her when I was around maybe 12, 13. Um, and I moved to a slightly bigger academy called Sutton. A little further south where I started working with Craig Veal, who now works with a lot of the doubles players on the WTA tour. Yeah, I've kind of changed coaches here and there, but ultimately I've had like three, which I also had a, a French coach later on. So we've worked with Craig and this French coach with Benoit as a three from for the past four or five years now and we progressed together. Nice. And you have, uh, your parents are French, correct? Yeah, both. You would have spent a bit of time playing in France. I did read that you would have played a lot of men's tournaments as a junior. How important was it for you to play those tournaments rather than just playing junior tournaments? Yeah, I played a lot. I played a lot of uh, French men's tournaments, especially in the summer when I went over there for the, for the break. I think it was helped me a lot. It, took a lot of the pressure off my shoulders, you know, at 15, 16, when you're not necessarily ready to go straight onto the ITF junior tour and playing developed 18 year olds. And you've got plenty of eyes on you. I really enjoyed taking the men's tournaments route where, you know, I had a little less pressure. You could play many, lots of matches in France and I improved that way. Yeah, I've, I've heard good things about, I'm not sure what the system is like right now, but I've heard good things about the draws over there and it's a great way to get matches in. Yeah, it's great. And so what was what was your mindset back then as a 15, 16 year old? Was it, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to go pro? Yeah, I, I really wanted to go to college, to be honest, when I was 15. I wasn't at the top, top level of my age nationally. So I, yeah, I was, I was I was in a good school as well academically, so I was really expecting to go to college. And then I took, after GCSEs, so at the end of my, I think it's year 11, so at 16, I decided to take my A-levels, so two years of A-levels online. And I, yeah, devoted my two years to playing on the junior tour when I was, you know, fully matured and fully, like, physically developed for that. And I improved quite a lot there. And obviously, the, yeah, the question was asked whether I should go pro or college. And yeah, ultimately I chose college. And you had you had a good run in Wimbledon. That was between first year and second year. So you're already in college there. Yeah. I'm going to quickly jump forward here. Any thoughts there? Look, I'm just going to go pro here. Or you're like, I'm sticking out this college. Yeah. So, I mean, I obviously thought about it. I thought about it before joining college. I had that, just still, I still had that decision to make until right until the start of college. And then, yeah, after the first year, I also had the opportunity to go pro. I told myself that, you know, like Cameron Norrie and Paul Job did, they did three years, four years, and then stopped. The thing is, when you, if you do more than two years or more in college, you can then have the opportunity to come back after and finish your, your degree. So that's kind of what I'm aiming to do. I'm aiming to finish my second year now and then see if perhaps it is the time to go pro. 
I gave myself the option of finishing this uh, year, the second year, and maybe being able to come back rather than just jumping straight into the pros. Nice. So when well, you were 16, you finished your G, your G levels quite early. Are they called G levels or GCSE? GCSEs. Oh, G- G- and also, did you, when did you choose Stanford? Were you looking at other universities? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was, I was, I looked at quite a few uh, universities. I had, I really enjoyed the, the, the idea of California. So I had um, Cal Berkeley, UCLA, USC also on my radar. And yeah, I chose Stanford ultimately because the academics are so world renowned and, and the program over here for tennis is also great. And Paul Goldstein, the head coach, was top 60 in the world. So he obviously knows what he's doing. So yeah, we've got a great bunch of guys, great coaches, and yeah, the academics here are obviously top notch. So I chose that. So yeah, that was what really led me to Stanford, but I'm sure I would have enjoyed myself in other California schools too. And what are you majoring in? I'm majoring in uh, what they call science, technology, and society here at Stanford. It's a yeah specific major. It's it's basically in business, and yeah, hopefully I'll major in that at the end of my four years here. Is the educational side of things quite tough? We know Stanford's a prestigious college with every they're all high achievers there, so many people. So is there pressure to get good results on a daily basis? Yeah, I mean definitely more so than in other probably more so than any other college in the US, uh, maybe apart from Harvard and a few other Ivy Leagues. Yeah, I mean obviously there will be a couple several majors which are tougher than others and some that are easier than others. I've probably chosen on, on the easier side of majors, just purely so I can have more time to have my head into tennis matters and be on the tennis court. But yeah, inevitably it means a lot of work and a lot of hours at the desk and in class, which I mean, not only is a time commitment, but also like an energy commitment. You can't always, you know, the number of times I've gone to the practice court and I've actually felt pretty drained when I, because I've had two, three, four hours of, of just class time before. And yeah, it's, it's more important than you think. It's a big, big commitment than you think. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. And you do hear every internet startup these days. They seem to come from Stanford. Even the guys at Swing Vision, do you know the app? Yeah. They they were one the main guy was a I think it was a Stanford guy. Semi entrepreneurs, it's crazy here. And so what's a typical day? Tomorrow you're flying, but a typical training day and study day, what does that look like for you? Yeah, so it varies uh, depending on class schedules and stuff, but usually it's about two and a half hours of tennis, whether two and a half to three hours, whether it's one big block or two, one hour and a half blocks, depends. And then we'd have an hour of fitness uh, in the gym usually. And it would probably be between three and four hours of class time and then another two hours maybe of homework a day that would be a pretty busy day i would say yeah. wake up at eight wake up at eight and finish i mean you'd have dinner at six thirty-seven, and then work after and finish at nine you know so it's uh it's not easy it's a long day what's it like so you've come from obviously tennis isn't a team sport and now you're playing it technically a team sport so much you know it's such a good camaraderie between you and your team have you enjoyed that yeah yeah it's a very different concept to tennis which is meant to be an individual sport um, uh, at the start yeah i mean i've enjoyed it we've i've been very fortunate to have a great group of guys on my team one of some of my best friendships here are some of the guys in the team so uh yeah it's i've honestly really enjoyed it it's um fun playing the dual match seasons having six guys in a row uh, battling out you know you're not alone it has at times kind of led me to focus on on others more than myself which is good in some ways also not very good in some ways you're hoping that them they're going to finish before you so you don't have to finish or you know that sort of stuff yeah it's it's obviously a huge benefit and because you're part of a team 
and you've got guys constantly pushing you upwards. Yeah, but you've, you've also got to remember that uh, once you turn pro, you will be alone. It will be an individual sport. So, you know, you can't rely on your teammates all the time. No, well, now while you can, you can. And so last year when you arrived over there, did anybody take you under the wing? What important lessons did you learn quickly that helped you settle in? Yeah, well, I mean, I had, I had my three coaches. They were um, mentors for me. Uh, the seniors in the team as well. I mean, Axel was also a very good junior and, you know, he spent four years in college and he helped me out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I learned to become a much more individual person and, you know, take care of my own and my own problems on my own without having my mum, my dad behind me. So, yeah, I mean, I was living eight hours behind everyone in Europe and, you know, living on living on my own with a random student that I didn't know also kind of led me to face reality you know if to grow you grew up quickly is what you're trying to say yeah yeah yeah. it took me a few months for sure and now I feel like I've I'm slowly kind of learning to yeah to live to live real life not to be at home and doing your own washing being babied yeah this podcast is brought to you by ASICS Tennis. ASICS is a Japanese company founded in 1949 with the purpose of giving more people the opportunity to experience how sport and movement can have a positive impact on mental well-being. That purpose is also in their name. ASICS is an acronym which means Anime Sano Incorporate Sano, a Latin phrase meaning sound mind, sound body. Today, the brand is still dedicated to that founding belief of demonstrating the positive effects sport and movement can have on our mental well-being all over the world they just launched their most innovative tennis range ever which includes the new court ff3 novak the shoe designed from the ground up with the help of novak Djokovic. get your pair now at asics.com and coach paul goldstein what big characteristics does he have how much influence does he have on you yeah so he i mean he was a great player himself and he's he's pretty small as well pretty so i'm five nine i think he's five eight even or five nine so you know, we have to deal with our own, with the same kind of difficulty. It's not a huge serve. Have to defend um, a lot. Um, Got to be smart uh, on court. So he's helped me with that. And also just his experience of the game. And I mean, he played for 10, 15 years. So he really knows the game off by heart. So that's really helped me. And what's been, I've, I've seen some of your matches on YouTube. I've seen some of the hot shots and you seem to slice and dice people up pretty easy it seems like you've more time than the rest and that's just from luck and i know the courts are slower but you seem to have more time than the other guys why do you think you've become like you were number your number one ranked player in the states up until this week i checked where somebody else i'm sure you'll be back there yeah what's your secret uh i mean i i wouldn't be able to tell you on to be honest um i think it's partly my game style partly i have an eye for the i have an eye for the game i anticipate the other guys shots pretty fast uh, which can also uh, be detrimental to my game sometimes. But it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just game style. I think it's obviously, you know, everyone has strengths and everyone has weaknesses. That's lucky one of my strengths. So yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's something that I've been working on since a young age. And yeah, luckily it's, it's benefited me in some ways and hopefully it keeps benefiting me, you know. And how would you characterize your game style? Is there a bit of a French influence there? It's a mixture of British and French, is it? Yeah, the Brits. The Brits love saying I'm a very French flairy player. I definitely, yeah, I definitely think it's it's a pretty French game. Uh, coming to the net a lot, uh, a lot of field shots might could look pretty easy at times. But yeah, I mean that also comes with its uh, with its downsides. French people, you know, have the reputation of being pretty <laughs> soft, pretty weak minded. So I'm trying to work on that. 
the British mind and the French game. Yeah, exactly. So all the matches you've played, all the all the all the travels you've made, what's your most memorable moment on court? I mean, definitely Wimbledon this year. I played my best match ever, my the best level I've played at for such a for an extended period of time in that last match of qualifying. I, I still lost, but nonetheless it was yeah, it was one of the best experiences of my life and I hope I'll be there again sometime soon. I also think that Wimbledon Juniors in 2019, I believe, was a yeah, great experience making semis of doubles. And it was the first big tournament in juniors that I really big tournament that I played. And yet yeah, doing it in front of my friends and families um, so close to home was also an incredible experience. Going back to the Wimbledon, the last round of qualies, I know you probably hate people saying this. You were two sets up in a breakup against yeah. Alan Greaseport. And like the two other matches you had were two big wins. Matt Ebden and I can't pronounce the other name. Guinness, Guinness Warren. Yes, they're two big wins. And then what lesson did you take? Where what, what Can you tell us what happened? Why did, Was it a mental thing or was it an energy thing? Yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a combination of a lot of things. I mean, I've obviously had time to think about it again now. It's been a while and yeah, I've, I've, I've thought about it a few times. Uh, sad to say, but yeah, I think it's it was a it was a combination of a lot of things. I mean, obviously, the first time I was put in that position, so close to so close to qualifying for a major, which would been which would have been yeah a dream come true. Really, the guy you know in juniors sometimes people kind of give up or go through the motions when they're starting to lose or very close to losing. That wasn't the case at this uh, that time. He came out with some incredible shots in the ends of the tie with the third set and fourth set tie breaks. Yeah, he really didn't. He really didn't give me anything. So it was, uh, it was my. I had to go finish the match off myself and didn't quite get there. But I didn't really lose the match. He he really went to to get it and yeah, really played some good points. So yeah, that was that was pretty much the take the takeaway. It wasn't really wasn't really a huge wrongdoing from me. It was a very close match and you know tennis matches turn with a few points here and there. So that was what happened. That's, I've heard that from so many juniors who had in the podcast when they transitioned to senior is just the mindset of so many junior matches they've won because the other players just copped out. It gets tough and they cop out. It just doesn't happen when the um, the men and females are are working for their family. Uh, there's no- yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, especially especially at that level, like Greek sport, I think won. Yeah, I think he won seven or eight challenges in a row after after that yeah. match. So I mean, he was he was already at that level. He was what one twenty or one ten at that time, but. Realistically, he was playing top 100 tennis. Tell me, I know we briefly talked about the nil rule in the States. Did you collect a paycheck there? Yeah, so the rule is in the, uh, for the college students is that you can, uh, you basically have to keep your, your amateur standing, uh, being a college athlete. So you can only take as much as you expense over the course of a year. So yes, I was able to put expenses of coaches and uh, yeah, all the other expenses uh, in front of it. And yeah, I was able to, kind of collect all of it okay it would have been nasty in the first round or their second round where yeah, yeah. I, would, I wouldn't have been able to take all of it you would have had to make up some crazy give some, expenses give some back to yeah give some back to the tournament yeah and so and now the, the rules changed there now has it now you can sort of earn some money for your image right yeah so you can't you still can't take prize money which um i hope will change soon because it's it's uh yeah, it's pretty ridiculous to be honest. But you can now take money. Sponsors or agents um, can now help you get money through yeah through brands and companies if you're giving something in return. And have you been down that road or not really? Not really yet. No, I mean I've 
yeah, I haven't had the opportunity really uh, so far. It's it's been a pretty recent thing, and being in college, I haven't really focused on it either. At the end of this year, if I look to to start a pro career, I might look into those sort of things more. But right now, it's not my priority. And what's the plan this summer? There's a great uh, swing of tournaments in the UK. I'm going to play the NCAA individual championships uh, end of May in, I think it's Illinois. And then, yeah, got finals back on campus and then straight back to the, U- to the UK for the grass season. And hopefully I'll get some opportunities over there. Uh, I'm not going to have much time in between my final exams at Stanford and the Wimbledon qualies. Uh, when I was much time as last year, so that'll be a bit of a challenge. Hopefully, I get the opportunity to to play there again this year. Yeah, if the England and the LTA give the wild card to me, and then after that, there'll be a bunch of future tournaments, twenty five k's on grass and on hard in the UK or in Europe. So that's that's really my plan. Great. So you're going to be busy competing, which is great news. Yeah, very busy. Two more questions. One: Who is your goat? The goat for me. Everyone will keep Federer's name, you know, in their heart forever. He's, he was the most elegant player and the most yeah, effortless player to, to, to play the game. Uh, I think he unfortunately won't get past the 20 that he's on now, uh, 20 Grand Slams. But yeah, I think, I think he will, I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll uh, stay the, the goat of elegance, you know. And Grand Slam titles, it's going to be a good battle between Novak and Rafa. I think Novak will will overtake Rafa just purely because he has more years in front of him. But hopefully COVID doesn't stop him. But if, if COVID doesn't become a, a problem in the future, I think I think Novak could easily get to 25. Yeah, Def. Who's the GOAT of college tennis, by the way? The GOAT of college tennis. I mean, Johnny McEnroe was, was playing college tennis when he just made semifinals at Wimbledon and was 25 in the world. And he was still in college. So, I mean, that's pretty good. He was Stanford as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was at Stanford. Just give us a quick breakdown of players at Stanford. I know the Bryan brothers were there. Both Bryan brothers, Paul Goldstein, Bradley Klan, uh, more recently. Jeff Tarango, I believe. Jeff Solzenstein, I want to say. I know Jeff. Yeah, he was. You're right, he was. Um, who else was there? Yeah, I wouldn't be able to give you any more, but there were definitely, we have a whole board of all top 100 players who went through Stanford. So yeah, there are, I can tell you there are at least 20 on there. You're like, I can't wait to see my, my name up there, my picture up there. Exactly. <laughs> Final question. What advice do you have for other 15, 16-year-olds out there who are trying to make that college pro decision? I mean, it's a tough decision for everyone. I think it's, it's one which you have to think about. I would highly recommend college unless, yeah, unless like a top junior or you really back yourself to play well right away at 18, you know, because you have... Careers now last until 35, 36, even 40, as we saw with Roger. So, you know, four years of college, giving yourself a backup plan in case tennis doesn't work out is it's not a bad idea at all. Um, obviously, there will be opportunities at a young age. If you're a good junior, you're going to get wild cards into challenges and futures at a young age if you're good enough. So that's also a, yeah, an opportunity to go pro right away. Uh, you just got to balance it out and see what's best for you. Nice. Arthur, thank you very much. Good night. No problem. And yeah, best of luck in your trip now over the next few days and look forward to seeing a bit of pro tennis over the summer. Take care. Thanks a lot for having me. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Arthur. I look forward to him hitting the pro circuit later this summer and getting some great wins. Other than that, have a great week and thanks for listening. Bye.